0: Say it! My name's Augie with VI Playlist, the show where I interview your favorite bands about their favorite bands. Today, I have Sonny Vega from Close Your Eyes. Uh, they were signed to Victory Records, and he also hosts the Always Sunny podcast. How are you today, man?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? It's been a chill day.
0: <laughs> so uh, today, we're going to basically, like I said, talk about your favorite bands. And But first things first, man, we have to name this playlist we're going to make.
1: Oh, is there anything you want to name it? Yeah, let's call it Doodoo Baby. Doodoo Baby. <laughs> yeah, D-O-O-D-O-O-B-A-B-Y. Doodoo Baby. Shout out to the Chappelle show that just came on Netflix. Finally, you know. Oh, man. There's that skit when he's like that down and out crackhead. And <laughs> it may it may be the skit or maybe a special he did, but he's like, somebody stole my Snickers. He's like, I didn't do that. He says, what's what's that chocolate all over your face? And he says, chocolate? That's doo-doo, baby. And so I've been obsessed with that phrase since probably 2005. Nice. That's hilarious. (laughs) I wouldn't be the man I am today if it hadn't been for that fucking show. Let me tell you. (laughs) I feel that. So ridiculous.
0: So you're not originally from Texas, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Michigan. Michigan. When did you
0: uh, move to Texas?
1: I must've been maybe 17. I think, I think I was, I was 17
0: when I moved here. You just loved it so much. You had to stay, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some great places in Texas, but the place I decided to hang my jacket in is not one of them. Yeah. Uh, I refer to this as the belly button of Texas. But you know, I, I can't complain. This town, Abilene, that I live in, it's been good to me. I've met some great people. I met, you know, my brothers, my band, my wife. Uh, met her in high school, so I married my high school sweetheart. So I mean, I I talk shit all I can about it, but she knows that I, I have a, I have a love for her deep down yeah. in my soul.
0: Moving to Texas at like seventeen, man, that must have been kind of hard.
1: You know, it was um, it was kind of a culture shock for me. I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is also kind of one of those things like, you know, how Dallas, Fort Worth is like two different cities, but they're kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kalamazoo and Portage in Michigan is, is pretty similar. It's like two different cities, but they're kind of the same, you know, but not as big as Dallas or, or uh, Fort Worth. Anyways, like in, in my school, when I was in high school, I had like pink hair, a lip ring, you know, fucking misfits big skull t-shirt and shit. And it was just fine. You know, it was, yeah. you know, it was kind of not necessarily a big city, but it was, you know, we, we had a uh, buildings taller than 10 stories, which is wild, you know, for Abilene. And then I moved here. My mom was actually originally from Abilene and she moved back to take care of her parents. So I moved, I moved here with her and my sister followed after, after a couple months when they, they originally moved here. And I stayed behind with my dad and I showed up to school and the first thing they said is I'd had to get rid of all my facial piercings. I could not have any color hair that wasn't natural and I could not wear any skulls or anything on, you know, my clothing. And I was just like, well, fuck y'all. And Walmart's about to get pissed because I can't buy all my skull shirts from there anymore. You know, like, fuck. Um, I was bummed out. I, like I remember coming home from school and just being like, mom, like what kind of, Fucking fascist town did you move me to? Like what the hell? Like you yeah. you literally put me in a school with the Gestapo. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's still that way in some
0: especially <laughs> in the town that I live in too, it's still that way. Like boys can't have long hair, they can't like, you know, you can't have unnatural hair. Oh, it's, it's insane, man. <laughs> uh, it's
1: awful, dude. yeah. <laughs> I already yeah.
0: knew where it was going to as soon as you said you had piercings and shit. I already knew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. They were like Soon as I walked in through the Abilene High door, they're like, Mm-mm, I don't think so, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, cool. This is great. I absolutely love it here. Right. Talking yeah. Awesome.
0: What were like some of your first music memories, man? Like maybe something you listened to with your parents or.
1: Yeah. You know, my parents are proud, you know, Hispanic people. And when I was a kid, they used to go all out like in, in especially Mexican culture, man, you know, like. It could be a three-year-old's birthday, but there are more adults than kids at the birthday, and everyone's drunk as fuck. It's just, you just had a reason to party, you know? Oh, oh, it's little Chewy's birthday. Okay, well, fuck it. Let's get a 30-pack, you know? Yeah. Like, And that, that was just what I grew up with. And my dad was, I, I kind of followed suit with my dad. We like to be the life of the party and make people laugh and, and be goofy. So he was like that when I was a kid and he liked to have a few drinks and, you know, get the, we had a, we lived in a neighborhood. It's funny as it sounds, the street was called friendly street and it, and it was, we lived in a dead end neighborhood. And so we didn't get a whole lot of traffic. So all the kids could play in the street and the adults were just like, yeah, fucking totally fine. You know, like the only people that drove on that street were people that lived there. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to live on a street where there was a bunch of kids around my, my, me and my sister's age. And so my birthday was is July 11th. So we had we had a uh, fourth of July. We had a bunch of fireworks, but we would save some for my birthday. So the neighborhood would like get together for my birthday again <laughs> while like, my parents are like cooking, you know, grilling a shit ton of food outside. And, you know, we lived in a predominantly you know white neighborhood at this point. So they would come and hang out and you, you know, you would just see a bunch, you know, like we were kind of like the ethnic family of the, of the, of the street. But when we partied, everybody came because the food was good. (laughs) You know, the drinks were flowing, the kids were running around, having a good time. And my parents were just like, fuck it. We're going to, we're throwing the party. We're going to listen to what we want. And they would listen to like traditional Mexican music. (laughs) And so I have these memories as a kid, like playing with my friends and you know, in the street and stuff while all the adults are drinking and sitting outside, having fun, grilling and stuff. And like traditional, like mariachi music playing in the background, you know, That's uh, awesome. it, it was, it's so cool, man. Yeah. Thinking back about it and that music, like my dad, my dad has a really wide taste of, of music, but just like every other Mexican, when you have a few drinks, you'll, you put on uh, Vicente Fernandez and, you know, you kind of let the tears roll and the emotions roll. And, <laughs> you know, no matter how proud of Hispanic you are, once that dude starts crooning and you get a couple drinks in you game over, tears are flowing, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a good time. So my, my earliest memories are from the legend, Vicente Fernandez.
0: And you also put uh, I think you sent me a list uh, earlier, Selena.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's everybody
1: knows Selena, man. I mean, as kids, you know, Biddy Bitty Bum Bum was just always in the background to me. Yeah. Like that was like the soundtrack of me hanging out with my sister, hanging out with my cousins, and Selena was just in the background.
0: My brother, when he was in high school, it was like a like a three-month period where he would come home and just sing "Bitty Bitty Bum Bum for no reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a reason, man. There's right? no reason to sing it, dude. Like that's, to me, that song is like on par with like, I don't know what's what's something am I, I'm trying to think. My wife is super Irish, Caucasian, <laughs> Caucasian night girl, and so I don't know, like fucking George Strait or Garth Brooks or Breaking Heart. I don't yeah. know, whatever the, you know, whatever her family listens to. I'm sure there's a mullet involved in really tight pants, but it's the equivalent to that, you know. And I mean, you don't need an excuse, man. It's if it's good shit, it's good shit, and right. well,
0: it's good shit. I'm half Hispanic and we uh, moved away from my Mexican side of the family when I was like five years old. So I never, I don't, I don't know Spanish. I, you know, I never got the whole barbecue and Vicente Fernandez. I never got that whole thing, man. I missed out.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, it's never, honestly, it's never too late, dude. Never too late. Like <laughs> seriously, like one day, if you eat, get your grill going, man, put on some Vicente Fernandez or, or, you know, we can start light. Let's put you on like diet Mexican music. We can start with the Coco soundtrack from the Disney movie. we we'll hey, start
0: with that. that. movie's
1: awesome. Oh God, that movie's so good. I cried like a fucking baby. Right. Dude. <laughs> Uncontrollable. Like my face was red for days. Um, we can start with that soundtrack, which not dissing that soundtrack. It's, it's really good. But I'm saying because it has like Mexican themed music with English lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start you off with that. Get the grill going, man. If you drink, I don't know if you, if you drink, have some drinks. If you smoke, smoke. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you do, but have a good time. And just let that emotion roll through you, man. You're getting in touch. You're going to get in touch with that side, man. It's going to feel good. Trust me. And you can call me when it happens. Give me a call and be like, I'm feeling it, dude. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to pour a drink to that. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You also listed like some of my mom's favorite music, like calling me bad. And, uh, coolio you know some of that good shit <laughs>
1: yeah dude yeah a- <laughs> <laughs> that's some sexy ass jams right for sure. <laughs> yeah so you know life started with you know tradi- like your parents music everybody you know the first music those to is their parents jams and so like i said like vicente fernandez selena and then i remember like on Sundays, my dad would take me to the grocery store and it would just kind of be like father and son, you know, mom and and my sister would stay home and do their thing. Every Sunday, father and son, we went out to the grocery store and bought the eggs and the bread or the tortillas or whatever for my mom to cook when we came back. And it was just kind of like a thing we did. And my dad loved like pop radio too. And so around that time, it was like that era of the real sexy new Jack swing, um, R vibe music, like color me bad. And, and, and yeah. you know, shit like that. And so like, here I was like five years old sitting in the back seat, and my dad's driving me to the grocery store and he's like singing, you know, color me bad at the top of his lungs. And it just happened to be that song. I want to sex you up, which, you know, I didn't know what the fuck that meant at five years old. I just knew it was a cool beat. So I'm in the back seat. Like, I want to sex you up. You know, just singing along, dude. <laughs> and um, yeah, like my dad and my whole family, they were like really into like gangster movies, whether it was like mafioso, Hispanic shit, you know, like New Jack City with Wesley Snipes and ice tea was a huge thing in my house. My dad yeah. loved that movie. And he bought the soundtrack on CD and he listened to it so much. I, I fell in love with it and actually one of the first songs i ever learned was uh, new jack hustler by ice T. that is literally the first song i ever memorized all the lyrics to like in my entire life <laughs> yeah <That's awesome. laughs> ice T. yeah um so you know i got that whole traditional proud mexican you know music from from my father and i also got that you know color me bad <laughs> ice tea uh, Even like David Bowie, "Let's Dance" was such a huge. Every time that song came on the radio, my dad was like, "Oh shoot!" Like, grab that dial and crank <laughs> it all the way up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it was just, it, you know, I, I have really great memories of those songs, and those were like the first. Those were the first songs that I actually memorized the lyrics to, and I can still shake my ass to this day.
0: Hell yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's like such good memories, man. When my mom moved away. It was just me, my brother, and her. We were living in a duplex. She had a little minivan. She's listening to, you know, "Calling Me Bad" and "Boys to Men" and Usher, and you know, all that. Hell yeah, dude! Like I said, you the- know, I was too young. I was like five years old. I didn't know what the hell they were saying. I was just jamming, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude. <laughs> well, you know, if it's good enough, it's like opera. Fuck it. Fuck the lyrics. You don't need to know the lyrics. Just right. feel the emotion. You know. <laughs> So that's what I say. I'm like, if, if the content is fucking good, it's like opera. I, exactly I didn't know so. what the fuck they were singing about. I want to sex you up, but I didn't need to to feel that fucking groove in my heart. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. So what, what made you want to learn how to play an instrument
1: early on, man? Like I said, movies are a big deal in my family. And my mom was super into that movie sister act with, um, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Like, I mean, we went to see Sister Act Two in theaters four fucking times in (laughs) theaters. So like in a span of three weeks. And so my love for music kind of started there. And I liked the idea of singing in a choir. And so I wanted to learn how to sing. But I would also see these bands, you know, like on MTV. I would see videos of Molly crew and shit, you know, like wearing the fucking tight pants with with the straps hanging off and doing high kicks. And I'm like, I want to do that. You know, like I was mesmerized by it, man. And I was like, well, I want to learn to play music. Well, growing up, another thing that we did on Sundays is my father made my sister and I sit in his office every Sunday afternoon and we would listen to NPR and he would make us read the local paper. Yeah. And we would have to write a paragraph of a news article that we read. So every day we listen to NPR, read, read the paper, wrote a paragraph about it. And my sister and I, my dad taught us how to play chess. My dad was, I don't know. I think he was, he was thinking he was raising the next Bobby Fisher or something. <laughs> um, and so he really, you know, growing up, my dad, my dad is, is, is an immigrant and you know, he made some mistakes early in his life and and I'm really proud of him. He's, he's um, like, he does really well for himself. Now he actually owns his own business and he's also an instructor and he's, he's one of the most successful dudes I know, but he came literally from nothing. And so his thing was my kids aren't going to be like how make the decisions that I made. Yeah. And he did everything in his power to make us intellectuals, I suppose. And so I have a lot to thank, you know, him for when it comes to like, I can read good and speak. All right. And so listening to NPR, there was a lot of classical music. And the first time I ever fell in love with music, I really enjoyed the stuff my dad played. It was fun. Listening to Ice-T was fun. I knew I could sing the lyrics in front of my dad, even though they had bad words and he didn't care because it's okay. It's just me around, you know? But the first time I fell in love was listening to, you know, legends like Ode to Joy was, I don't know why I, I love that song so much. And then it, and it probably was because it played in that sister act two movie. They, they actually yeah. sing Ode to Joy. And I remember hearing that in that movie. I was like, what song is that? That sounds really good. Uh, coincidentally, one of the first songs I learned to play on the violin was that song, and I it like it made me realize how much I loved learning to play. It was like climbing, you know, a mountain. I learned to play the song that I absolutely loved from this movie. What else can I learn to play? Like, what else can I do? What else can I like? It it, it introduced this entire like hunger that I never knew existed in yeah. me, and that's when I was like, I want to play the violin like I said, my dad raising, you know, thinking he's raising the most, you know, intellectual kids on the planet. As soon as I said that, my dad was like, done. Like, okay, (laughs) let's see what we got. Like, we can rent you a violin here. They're offering lessons to kids at your age, at the school. You just got to get up an hour earlier to go. And then you take the shuttle bus to the regular school. And so uh, as soon as I express interest in music, they were all for it. Just, yeah. you know, like they were like, yes, do it. Let's like, let's do that. You, 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 we got you. That's and awesome, so man. Th- there was no issue of like, you want to play the violin? Why don't you play football or, you know, and, and I was that kid too. <laughs> I did play, you know, rocket football and I played football in middle school and stuff too, but I don't know The the violin yeah. Yeah. classical music to me was the shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. was well, that's awesome that you had like such supportive fans, man. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were really cool, man. They're really cool.
0: How old were you when you, when you joined Close Your Eyes?
1: Oh, fuck. You're about to make me do some math, dude. (laughs) I've had two very generous glasses of wine, not glasses, cups. I've had two generous glasses (laughs) of wine. Let's see. The band started in 2005. Okay. And they played like a handful of shows, maybe like four shows before I joined the band. Yeah. So I mean I was in my I may have been like twenty. Oh okay okay so I don't know older. without without pulling my calculator out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I may have been I may have been around around twenty I think. Let's take it
0: back a little bit. Throughout your high school years I know Color Me Bad and you know Dr Dre Snoop Julio all that stuff. What was the kind of music that you were listening to around there? Maybe when you were able to choose your own music, what was your go-to?
1: So. Well, first of all, the first CD I ever bought was Two Live Crew. So that's that's saying a lot. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Was, seriously, like <laughs> that jam, pop your pussy, just meant so much to me and spoke to my soul. Now um, yes. <laughs> yes. So I started discovering rock music. I, I like I listen to some rock. Like so my, my dad came from a very big family. I think he had five, maybe six brothers. I feel like total shit for not even knowing the exact number. There's just so (laughs) many people in my family, you know, and a couple of them, my grandparents had later in life. So they were almost young enough to be my older brothers. Yeah. So even though I I was the first of the next generation, I was the nephew. I was the grandson. I was raised almost like the youngest brother of that generation. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So like my, my youngest uncles, my deals treated me like a little brother. So I was listening to a lot of stuff they listened to as well. So my uncle, my uncle Georgie shout out, rest in peace. Uh, he was just a few years younger or a few years older than me, maybe like six, seven years older than me. And so he introduced me to like Nirvana and he wasn't a like, oh, I'm going to say rocker by any means. Like he listened to like Snoop Dogg and Tupac was his shit. And, you know, he was always like into rap, but he also knew who Nirvana was and he liked it and he liked like green day and stuff. And he kind of like showed me that stuff. And, you know, I was, I was into it, you know, but at that time I was like, it's pretty rock and roll, you know, like whatever, but soundtracks like the Dangerous Mind soundtrack, which I was super into Coolio. The Sister Act 2 soundtrack got me into a lot of, you know, hip hop and classical music as well. I was really into soundtracks. So soundtracks kind of like became my like roadmap to finding new music. Yeah. Because the soundtrack can have tons of music from all kinds of genres, yeah. you know, depending on the soundtrack. So I'm talking like the Scream soundtrack. I Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack, <laughs> you Can't Hardly Wait soundtrack, Cruel Intentions, Never Been Kissed. That was like you pop know, punk's biggest moment, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a lot of like, you know, Sarah McLachlan, third eye blind. Yeah. Weezer, you know, all, all kinds of shit Everclear, Um, and so I, I kind of discovered, I would say rock again. I sound like my parents rock like through those soundtracks and kind of got into it. I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. Like Everclear and stuff. And, and, The first taste I ever got of like heavy music was the, I know what you did last summer soundtrack. I love that movie. That movie came out when I was in fifth grade and all my friends and I were like, have you seen that new slasher movie? You know, we were, we're not supposed to watch it, but our parents were cool as fuck. So they were like, yeah, y'all kids can watch it, whatever. I bought that. I got that soundtrack for, for my birthday actually. And there's a song by Korn on there and it is, it's actually one of Korn's heavier tracks. It was like old Corn, And I remember hearing that and I was like, Oh fuck. Like. I'm about to raise the devil in my bedroom right now. Like, this is scary. Like I was legit. Like I should not be listening to this. That's nice. (laughs) And I just, but because of that, I was so captivated by it. I was like, I wonder what other stuff like this is out there. Like I, I, it just kind of made me so curious about like, wow, that dude can like yell like that. And it's still like, I'm kind of into it. Like what the fuck? Like, and, uh, but it was cool. Like I, I dug it and and it just, it just boom. Like it, it, it did this whole change from like, yeah, I still enjoy color me bad and iced tea and shit, but I'm like, yo, like what's this band corn with a K like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. What is this Rob Zombie and White Zombie like? What?
0: Bro, I just Zombie? looked up that I just looked up that soundtrack and it's got like Our Lady Peace and Toad, to wet sprocket, Toad to the Wet Sprocket, Soul <laughs> Asylum.
1: Yeah, dude. Type Negative, The
0: Offspring.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Summer Breeze. Uh, yeah. Type of Negative's uh, cover Summer Breezes on that, which is amazing. That album actually sparked my love for Typo Negative too. One of my favorite yeah. bands of all time. I never heard of them until I heard that soundtrack, and I was just like. Uh, The movie starts with that song. It's like an aerial, you know, like uh, going over a highway and water and that song starts and it's just, you know, so sludgy. And I remember being a kid like, I don't know what this is, but I'm fucking into it. Right. right? This is (laughs) fucking cool. That dude has the heaviest, deepest voice I've ever heard in my life. And just started this whole, you know, love for that kind of music for me was that movie. That's awesome. So. Yeah.
0: Now we can jump forward back to back to close your eyes. So you joined Close Your Eyes when you were like twenty. Now Close Your Eyes was kind of like a heavier band. So did you even listen to that kind of music at the time?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I would say fresh, like eighth grade, freshman year, like the summer between, I discovered more punk rock stuff. Yeah. So it, it started with like Third Eye Blind, Green Day. You know you're. The bands that everybody like, you know, kind of got introduced to pop punk art, at least our generation. Yeah. And you know, heard some 41 and shit. And I was like, this is cool. Like this is cool. You know, like I was really into break stuff by Lip Biscuit. Like significant other was fucking awesome for me. Yeah. And so I was like super into Lincoln Park, Lit Biscuit at that time, corn, Godsmack had some sick hits at that time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, you know, kind of discovered. Punk rock, you know Blink One Eighty Two and stuff. I was like, "This is cool. I can get jiggy with it. Fuck it." You know, like this is cool. That's when I kind of started listening to music that wasn't necessarily on the radio much. I remember going to lunch. You know, i lunch at the table, with my friends, dude, did you all hear this on that MTV thing? Yeah. Well, at this point, it was getting to the point where, like, yo, did you all hear this band? They're like, no, I've never heard of that band. So I was like, oh, and I just, you know, <laughs> oh, uh, well, okay, I guess you know, I have nobody to talk to about it. You know, there's a few punk kids and stuff when I went into high school, you know, and, and, and discovered that stuff. But that summer, I kind of went from like corn, lit Biscuit, you know, to like, hey, like Psalm 41, Blink 182, a little bit of Green Day, Newfound Glory. Like, I, I kind of started discovering that side of the stuff. Yeah. And, and just like everybody else, you know, like usually you start off with that and then one band leads to another where nowadays kids can just get on Spotify and just scroll down to similar artists and discover a whole new world of, of oh, artists. Yeah, absolutely. Back, back when I was a kid, it was like, on the back of the CD, it said, for lyrics and more bands from the label, write to P.O. Box, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. and in, in six weeks, you'll get a magazine from the label and maybe a demo of the next band coming up or something. You know, oh, like yeah. it was, you really had to give a fuck to find more music. But I did like, I, I went to the record store, you know, my dad would take me to Best Buy and stuff. And I would look for similar artists. And, and before you know it, I started checking out, you know, I went from like Sum 41 to no effects, no effects to bad religion, bad religion to Misfits, to Ramones, to, you know, what have you. And before you know it, I was like, I'm fucking punk rock. Like I'm going to cut my hair into a mohawk. Like I was, you know, into it, man. But it wasn't until I heard rise against revolutions per minute, that album, which was their second release on fat records. The first time I heard that album, I was just kind of like, well, like I'm not fucking around anymore. I am punk rock like this is this is who I am like this album defines my angst and (laughs) awareness of the fucked up shit in the world and everything I wanted to like tell my parents and my teachers and stuff like I was just like this just you know encompasses all of that and that was the album that like kind of flipped me from you know wearing spiked bracelets because it was (laughs) fucking metal to you know like when we had tube socks and spiked uh belts because, yeah that uh, yeah. was ah, the dicky shorts tube socks and chuck chuck taylor's hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: i i listened to your podcast and you tell how you joined the band there so um i don't want to you know go over it you can tell like just like a brief yeah, summary we yeah you know? we can talk about
1: it man so basically by the time i moved to texas i was into like punk rock hardcore and metalcore. At this time, I discovered bands like, you know, from Rise Against to With Honor to, you know, more of the hardcore side. And when I moved to Texas, I got more into the metalcore side. That was around the time when, like, Killswitch was fucking huge. Like, oh, Killswitch yeah. was the band. And so, like, that record, Alive or Just Breathing by Killswitch, fuck. Like, that, to me, I was like, okay, I'm kind of back in the middle again, you know, and right. like, the heavier kind of metal. This is cool. And I figured out it was, like, there was this mesh between metal and hardcore, metalcore, which was brand new to me at that time, and I was like, "Tight, I'm. This is me now. This is cool. Like, I I can listen to punk and, and traditional hardcore and metal and metalcore, and everyone can still go to the same show and kick each other's asses and go to Denny's afterwards at one in the morning. You know, <laughs> right. Right? It's a good time. So, I, you know, at that, at that time, I was I was in a band called The Drake's Descent, and for locally here in Abilene, like we we're like, you know, we we're we we're making a name for ourselves. I think we had like. Oh fuck! Like nine hundred friends on MySpace, which was a big fucking oh, deal shit. for us. <laughs> yeah, dude, we were going places. Anyways, my best friend at the time, his name was Chris Coltman. He played drums in Close Your Eyes, and at this point, Close Your Eyes was it was like a Emery vibe. Yeah, and not you know I love Emery too. Don't get me wrong, but I just at that time I wasn't into it, but I supported him what's funny is I actually went to their, their first show because, uh, the drummer Chris invited me and I was like in the front, you know, hardcore dude, I I, I must've had my three X's straight edge hoodie with my arms crossed standing in the front with my camo shorts and, uh, just looking tough as fuck, you know, looking good. And uh, (laughs) standing in the front and like the guys went on this like weird 10 minute jazz solo in the middle of a song. And I just remember being like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, this is lame. Shane, our vocalist, did not know what the fuck to do. So he put his mic down and got off stage and started shaking hands in the crowd, (laughs) thanking people people for coming to the show. And I was the first hand he shook. (laughs) I'm standing there looking like the lead singer of fucking Throwdown in 2006, hard as fuck. And he walks up with like, at this time, man pries with the thing like capris with a uh, purple bandana you know he and he had his hair like we always fucked around with him we always said that he looked like the singer of puddle of mud he'd always he had long blonde hair at the time and put it behind his ears and uh so he walked up just being Shane, the nicest fucking dude hey man thanks for coming to the show and i kind of just give him this pity handshake like get the fuck out of here dude what the fuck are you doing and uh that was my first interaction with shane and then you know a month and a half later i joined the band they needed somebody to fill in on bass and i was like chris no offense man but i'm not a fan of y'all's like y'all i don't really dig it like you, you know you guys are good but i just don't really dig it but you're my friend i will fill in for you i will fill in until you guys find a permanent basis and uh i filled in for fucking 10 years so that's- <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> kind of just, just slowly like became you know oh yeah that's sunny uh he's filling in on bass to like oh that's sunny our bassist so, um, yeah, you know, it just kind of naturally progressed into me being a full-ledged member.
0: That, that first album, We Will Overcome, mm-hmm. if you google like 2005 to 2008 Christian metalcore, that's exactly what you expect to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yep. it is. Uh, so, listening to it, I was like, man, this takes me back because that's all I listened to. You know, I was a solid stake, right? Kid, you know, so yeah, I listened it. to. All that, you know, Devil Wears Prada and Norma Jean, the chariot, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And that's yeah. just like Emery. I even listened to Emery for a little while too. Actually, I still listen to Emery. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. Emery's sick, man. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm, I love Emery. But it's it's literally just like a, you
0: know, that Christian metal core scene, you know? Because the second album, you mentioned Rise Against, and I got mad Rise Against vibe from that second yes. album.
1: <laughs> so I am going. And Shane will back this up, our vocalist. I'll actually bring this up on, on he's going to, we're actually going to record an episode here. Uh, actually in the next week, he's going to be a guest on my podcast. And uh, I will bring this up because he brought this up in an interview he did for AP Magazine. The reason, close your eyes, when I first heard of them and joined, they didn't have any kind of like circle pits, any kind of punk vibes is because he hated punk. He hated it. Shane was like, his in it's still to this day, his favorite band is Breaking Benjamin, which I give him shit for, but you know, whatever. He has no shame <laughs> in his game. He loves it. But at that time, he was in Under Oath. He was into like some bleeding through, some emery and shit. But if it was a circle pit, if it sounded punk rock at all remotely, he didn't want it. He was like, No, I don't want it. I'm not, I'm not gonna do vocals for that. He hated it. He hated anything that was like that style. Yeah. And that was very much my style, especially when I joined that band. When I joined Close Your Eyes, I was listening to bands like Remembering Never. I was listening to bands like Agnostic Front, Mad Bull, you know, Rise Against, With Honor. And Shane was just not having any of it, man. And so we were driving down to Houston to do to do this EP. We recorded an EP and our EP was definitely like early metalcore, you know, vibe. And I was driving. So I was like, fuck you. You're going to listen to what I'm going to put <laughs> Shane couldn't say shit. It was my car, you know? Yeah. And we had this conversation because I was like, dude, why don't you like punk rock? Like, why don't you like this style of music, like hardcore? And he's just, I don't like it. I, I just don't. And I was like, well, it's because you haven't heard, you haven't heard the right bands yet. So I played remembering never for him. I played agnostic front. I played with honor. And by the end of, of that car ride, which at that time was like a six and a half hour drive from from where we were to have Ab- or to Houston, by the end of that car ride, we get out of the car and he goes up to like the rest of the guys and he's just like, "We need to write a song like this." Like, <laughs> I fucking turned that dude. I will fucking say that proudly. Nice. And he's, he said it in AP magazine and he'll admit it. Like that car ride, I was just like, "You just never listen to the right bands," I, and that's I'm awesome. gonna make you listen to it. And so that's when we wrote friends are friends forever. Now, if you listen to that record, we will overcome friends and friends forever compared to the rest. Like the first half of the record is just way different. Friends and friends forever have, has this like punk rock old tool, like stretch Armstrong vibe. Yeah. And then like, after that is when we wrote, we wrote that song, we wrote uh keep the lights on Chet Steadman uh, and a couple others. And it, like, it's night and day. There's some songs that just sound like traditional, you know, song for the broken is the song for the broken. I call it wuss tunes, whatever. Now, um, and like, so compare song to the for song for the broken to, you know, friends of friends forever or keep the lights on it's night and day. It's, it's two different bands. And the reason is because we wrote those songs in a span of four years and the first three years of it, Shane hated punk rock. The last year of it, Shane was all about it. Yeah. you know, was all in discovering hardcore basically and, and punk rock for the first time. And Brett, he wrote a lot of the music at that time and Andrew. So when Shane was just kind of like, I'm into it, Brett was like, cool. Cause Brett used to be in like punk bands before he was in close your eyes. So as soon as like Shane was on board, Brett was like, I got this riff and this riff and that <laughs> riff. Oh my God. You know what? Check this out. Like it was like, he had a, a, a closet of skeletons of just old fucking punk rock, pop punk, you know, riffs that we just built on, you know? Yeah. So that album sounds almost like two different bands. Cause it was written almost like, From two different bands. And then the second album, like you said, definitely has that rise against feel. That's because at that time we had one year to write it. So we wrote that in the same mindset of listening to punk rock and hardcore. So that actually sounds like one band, the entire record, instead of you know two or three different bands on one record, which was cool and it did well. But I I kind of also looking back at it, I kind of liked that we had a little bit. Of something for everyone on that first record you know yeah. whether you were into emory or devil Wars prada or you know hawthorne heights or with honor and rise against like we kind of yeah. had it all on that first record
0: you mentioned song for the broken and uh listen to your podcast why is it that the majority of most bands their most popular song is hated
1: by the band <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you why <laughs> Because that's the song they have to play.
0: I got you. <laughs> have
1: to play it. You know what I mean? It's like, if somebody tells you not to do something and you're just like, well, fuck you, I'm going to do it. Or if somebody tells you like, you have to do it, even if you wanted to do it you're like, fuck you, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that mentality of like, Oh, this is, this is the song. This is y'all song. Like, fuck, you may as well open with it and close with it. And you're set tonight. You know, like, you just get so tired of it, especially when it's one of like the first songs that, you know, like the band collectively had in the early years of coming out. You feel like you've grown as a musician since then. So everyone always feels like, Oh, my newer shit is way better than that. But then you have the nostalgic fans that are like, no, it's not like that shit is where it's at. Fuck your new shit. You know? And it's just, that's just how it is, man. It's, it's almost like, you either grow to love it and appreciate what it did for your career as a musician, or do you resent it for the rest of your life? And when somebody <laughs> yeah. asks you to play it randomly on your acoustic guitar, you just fucking throw it at them. Right.
0: <laughs> I know a lot of times the, the majority of the time, the most popular song is their most poppy sounding song, I guess. So like mm-hmm. just a song that they kind of threw together or whatever, but it's the catchiest song. Right. And the labels or whatever, which I heard you speaking about, it. The labels are the one who choose that song as the single, not the bands. Yeah. and like but, you well, said, I mean, it, they...
1: it depends on the it depends on the relationship with us. We were very young, so we kind of just let the label do their thing. You know, yeah. well, obviously with bands that have been in the scene or in, in their careers longer, they're gonna be like, no, we want this one, and yeah. you know, the label's gonna give into it. But at this time, who the fuck were we? Like when Victory signed us. The biggest thing we did was we headlined Cornerstone Festival. I say headlined. I'm sorry. We opened the main stage for the headliners at Cornerstone Festival. We won the um, up-and-coming band contest that year or something. Yeah. And then we opened up. We played right before MXPX for another festival in the Ozarks. And that's kind of like where Victory was just like, yo, like, who's this fucking small-town band that nobody's ever heard of opening for MXPX? XPX and like Skillet and Flyleaf. And so that's kind of how they discovered us. So yeah, like at the time we were kind of just like, thank you for giving us a chance, Mr. Victory Records. You can pick whatever song you'd like, you know? Right. Uh, so that's how that happened for us. At one point in time, y'all had Blood and Ink,
0: Face Down, Solid State, and Victory Records all looking mm-hmm. at you. And I know yeah. Victory kind of swooped in last minute and got you.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> at that time when we were talking to labels like face down records was like the record label, uh, that we all loved. We'd listened to the bands from there. We had a lot of friends that were pulling for us to get on face down that were signed to face down. Yeah. Our good friends in for today, call to preserve, take it back. War of ages. Uh, you know, they were all doing huge things on face down and we'd book them in, in our small town in Abilene and became friends with them and kept in contact. so, they would like go back to, to Face Down and be like, yo, check out this band in the middle of dirt nowhere from Texas. They're doing things, you know, they sound all right. They're our boys. And so like Blood and Ink reached out, Solid State reached out, but Face Down was the one where we were kind of like, it's like a family. Like the, at that point, like I said, Call to Preserve, Plea for Purging, like all these bands that it was just like a Face Down family that was so sick. And we were so pumped to be on it. And then I don't know where like, victory records you know the victory records you know despite what you think of them and and shit everybody knows who the fuck victory records is they came in and were just like yo you know like i would like to have you guys come out to chicago and play a showcase yeah and so yeah they they definitely swooped in at the last minute and you know we wanted to be fair and so we gave the you know other labels that we've been in contact with a chance to counter and stuff but ultimately victory was where it landed
0: knowing what you know now if you could go back, would you still chose
1: Victory? Um, yeah. yeah, I would have chose Victory. Despite the, you know, what everybody knows Victory for, it wasn't like that for everyone. Yeah. Our experience with Victory was very different from, you know, let's say a data member's experience. When we got the offer from Victory, we went to face down and showed, showed them like, hey, this is what they're offering. And yeah. they were just like, yeah we're not even going to try like victory can do so much more for y'all as a label than we can. Like, we wish y'all the best of luck. We're still on great terms, you know, and victory did do that. I don't think the band would have been as, as successful on another label uh, as we, as we did like on victory and not saying, you know, we were on a, you know, high rise, you know, killer shit, but you know, yeah. we had a good run and I don't know if that would have happened if we were signed to another label, absolutely
0: i mean y'all played what like bamboozle with fucking big names you know like yeah and not just yeah. in the metal world y'all played with like mac miller and all kinds of you know just big
1: fucking names <laughs> yeah man at that time we had a sound that like tough guy i made a lot of friends on the road that were like straight up you know whatever crew a hardcore crew from south boston whatever they'd come out to our shows and represent and like, you know, kick some shit, but we'd also have those, you know, the hot topic crowd hanging out, singing song for the broken, you know? (laughs) So we definitely had a sound that, you know, was, was something for everybody, no matter if you wore a thousand bracelets on your wrist or camo shorts and, and, you know, Vans. So it was cool. And we just wrote what we liked and we all have like, as a band, we had so many influences, you know, like I said, like Shane, likes his new metal and stuff. And I liked, I come from like the old school, hardcore side. And Brett came from like the pop punk, you know, gospel Christian side. Andrew came from like the metal, like he's one of the best guitarists I've ever heard in my fucking life side. You know, so we all, we all like brought together our own, you know, taste of things and, and ran with it. I I think it did well for us, man. You know, like you said, it, it opened doors for us to not only play with bands like A Day to Remember and Underoath, but we would also go on tour with like Terror, yeah. and then we would also play a show with like Scary Kids Scaring Kids or Family Force Five or Flyleaf, <laughs> you know, or you know All American Rejects and shit. Like it was just like we had something, we had a sound that at least a couple people appreciated from around the world. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <That was again. laughs> you like that? <laughs> do we did it.
1: You like that? All right. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> uh,
0: so, everybody always asks us uh, where do we find these playlists that we make on this show? And we find them on, you can just follow us on Spotify at VIP L A uh, Y L I S T. And I'll also leave links on all of our socials Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find all the playlists there as well. I have a link tree and that ad is VIP L-A-Y-L-I-S-T-P-O-D, all one word. And that's where you find these things at. So,
1: yep. So no more complaining. Yeah. And I told uh, you, you, go don't find listen, them. Find you. Go, <laughs> go find them. Go listen to them. Give
0: us feedback, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leave us a review uh, yeah. it, because we love you. And that would be the coolest thing ever. Um, subscribe, and follow. subscribe and follow. I feel like that's a YouTube thing, but no I'd do it either anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't find the button, I don't know. Uh, you're not DM me. hard enough. DM me. Yeah, um, leave us a review. That'd be really cool. And then go follow us on our socials and on Spotify to keep up with the playlist. Thank you. <laughs> You mentioned uh, Face Down Records being your favorite label. What's some of the other favorite bands from that label?
1: Oh, man. For Today, I love that band so much, man. I was I was so into that band. You know, and even after becoming friends with them, I was just like, man, this this band is just shit. Now, so close your eyes. We were a faith-based band, but we were also, like, we were able to tour with secular bands. You know, we would go on tour yeah. with, like I said, like Terror and, like, A Day to Remember and shit, and then the next month go on sc- the prayer with norma Jean or you know demon hunter and stuff I personally which is a whole different story i don't if you want to get into it or whatever I don't consider myself a man of faith anymore uh you know I have my reasons i you know it's what it is but I can still appreciate good music and so yeah. I can still listen to fortune even though like they're very religious yeah. <laughs> like, yeah for today lyrics are just like very religious lyrics but the passion is there. The musicianship is there. And those dudes are good. And I'll give it up to anybody, whether I, you know, lyrically agree with it or relate to it or not. Musically, that band fucking kills, dude. Yeah. Uh, My Epic was another great band. Call to Reserve was another great band. War of Ages, Take It Back. Comeback Kid was, their first record was on Face Down. Not a lot of people know that. Um, yeah, I, I loved I loved Face Down records. It was, it was so cool. It was sick.
0: You brought up the whole faith thing. Y'all were a quote unquote Christian band. Did y'all stay that way for the entirety or did y'all pull like a, like an under oath and kind of fly under the radar or did y'all stay faith based for the entirety?
1: So as a band, uh, speaking for myself, we were a faith based band all the way to the end. Um, And we were serious. Like we every decision we made, we made together and prayed. We prayed together about it and stuff, even though at that time, especially like Christian metalcore, hardcore was, was a big thing, you know, suddenly being a Christian band in this genre meant you were going to sell tickets, even if you fucking sucked, you know, like we were, we were real deal. And for me personally, I started questioning stuff, kind of like my last year or so with the band. I started having my own personal doubts with my faith and and questions, but I've always kind of been the same. Like, don't get me fucked up. Like the way I speak now with me cussing and, you know, drinking, I was the same way back in 2011. Now there's a place in time for everything. I'm playing pioneer Baptist church on a Wednesday night. I'm not going to walk out to the crowd with a glass of wine being like, what the fuck is up guys? You know, like <laughs> not going to do it. There's a time and place for everything, you know? And so I, I just, you know, I didn't want to make anybody stumble on their walk or anything yeah. or, or, or what have you, but you know, I'd come home from tour and my friends knew what was up. They're like, Hey, what's up Sonny? And, and I would be the guy drinking, having a good time with you talking like just dirty jokes and shit, but would also talk to you about like how I f- find you know solidarity in in my faith and stuff like that while well, at the same time blank you know beating your ass at beer pong you know I was just that guy I was just <laughs> yeah. and I'm still that dude I just now I'm just like yeah I don't really you know believe in it yeah but I started having questions and doubts in my faith like I said last year, year or year so it wasn't like oh I'm not a christian but I need to play this off because I'm yeah. in closed eyes it wasn't ever like that it was me seeking and just trying to find answers to my questions. And my doubts, yeah. and trying to still be a person that can have a good influence on people. It didn't have to be like, let's all pray together, you know, here we go. It was just like, I've been where you're at, you know, like maybe that dude's, you know, going through some troubles that I was going through as well. And I just want to use positivity for it, you know. And if he wants to talk about the Bible, let's do it. Let's talk about the Bible. But if you want to talk about how much it fucking sucks, That your parents got divorced and that, you know, like you started hanging out with the wrong crowd and tried opiates for the first time. I'm with you. Let's talk about it, man. Cause I was there. You know, I was I was right there with you. And that's just kind of like where I found my own place in my mind in my band towards the end, you know. And it was tough. You know, there were times when I really had some doubts and I almost felt like I can't bring this up. Like, what are they gonna do? Like they're gonna kick me out. Like they're gonna, oh, you're not Christian enough, you know. Yeah. Which, looking back at it, it's just you know it's stupid. But you know, I mean, it is what it is. You you grow up thinking a certain way, and 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 you kind of build this identity, you know, and somewhat of a career around this idea of being a man of faith. And sure, in the certain room of guests, you can be one way, but. Ultimately in the spotlight, you need to be a man or a a person that doesn't make someone stumble and and can help while having your own problems, you know, and it was really difficult for me to balance that. It it really played a toll on me mentally, and it it was a big strain. And, you know, we talked about that in my podcast as well, where I became this just like asshole, dude. I became this guy that just not that was not fun to be around you know, the guys in my band who I love to this day, my brothers, and we still text every day about starting a, a band called Girth and our first album called Girth Brooks, <laughs> you know, like just dumb shit. But at one point in time, I was an asshole to those guys, you know, like they were like fucking sunny, dude, like whatever. I would be that guy I was like, yo, you fucking played the wrong note on song three in the second verse. What the fuck? You know, like I was that guy. I turned into that guy towards the end because of my own personal issues that I was having, yeah. you know.
0: You think it was That's just so like a dumb. like a self-sabotage type of deal where you were trying uh, to to piss everybody off?
1: I felt and to be honest, man, I felt like maybe the more successful we got, the quieter those doubts would get in my yeah. faith. Oh, we're gonna we're doing we're selling this much again. Oh, we're on the billboard top two hundred again. I'm in God's favor. I'm good. These doubts are whatever. You yeah. know, it's I'm gonna but I'm under the, under the bed because obviously I'm doing something right. And whether I have questions about it or not, I'm doing okay. Yeah. So stupid, you know, talking about it, looking back, but that's kind of where it came from, I guess. And I just tried to do everything that I could, you know, like we built this thing kind of in, in its infancy and got to a point like where, you know, I mean, we had commercials on adult swim and MTV 2 And yeah you know, we have a song, we have a couple songs in rock band, the video game, you know, like NHL wrestling. Chris yeah, Hardy, wrestling. Okay. yeah, Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy yeah. used our song for his walkout theme, you know? And so like, we, we definitely reached the point of success that I was just kind of like, this is, this is awesome, but it plateaued. And like, towards the end, like we, I, I saw it coming down. We reached the top of that mountain and I saw it now the camp coming down the other side yeah. and I hated it and I hated it. And I, I felt like if we're just perfect, if we're perfect and we give it all every night, we're going to get right back on top and yeah. fucking so-and-so playing guitar is fucking it up every night. Cause he fucks that note up. He's the reason why we're not fucking selling records anymore. You know, like it's, It was so stupid that I, 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 and it it just, but it was my own shit. It was me dealing with my own shit, you know? Yeah. I find
0: it very intriguing because growing up as a Christian kid on the other side. So I don't know how to play instruments. I don't know how to do any of that musical shit. I'm not musically talented whatsoever, but uh, I love music. I love listening to it. I love consuming it growing up and listening to, you know, Under Oath and, Emory and he is legend, all these solid state quote unquote Christian bands. Right. And then mm-hmm. becoming like 25, 26 and listening to Matt Carter's podcast, the BC pod, where he interviews these bands and all of them have lost their faith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's just something that really intrigues me. And they lost it when we, when, when I was listening to them, you know, it's like been yeah. this way for a really long time, but you know, so it kind fam- of makes me
1: question some shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like, you know, I I had my dealings with faith as well, just because I think everybody does growing up and that that kind of thing. Some people go back to it and some people don't. I'm at the point to where I just want to be a good person. You know, like I don't even want to think about it anymore just because it brings me so much anxiety and and, you know like stress. So I just I just want to be a good person to everybody.
1: (laughs) That's that's all that matters, man. Like the way I see it. As, as long as you're just good, treat yeah. people well, do right by others. Like, fuck what they believe in. Fuck what you believe in, dude. Like yeah, it's, it's what it is. And I, and I used to be, I was pretty angry too when I finally like came to terms where I am no longer a man of faith. I was angry. And again, I lashed out. I would lash out on social media, you know, attacking religious people like, oh, you know, fucking religious people do this or do that. Like I would make tons of memes and, you know, I would actually get a lot of tractions and a lot of shares and likes and stuff, but it was just me being angry. And yeah, I've come to the, to the point now where I'm just like, it doesn't matter. I yeah. don't care. I do like,
0: like my whole family still goes to church. My, my, you know, my mom will bless my mom's heart. I love her to death, but you know, she invites me to church, you know? Yeah. And you know, I'm, I just politely turn her down. You know, my brother right. invites me you know, my whole family still goes to church and, you know, everything like that. And they're, you know, worried quote unquote about me, but honestly I'm like the happiest (laughs) I've ever been. You know, I, I I love my life. I'm not constantly thinking about, you know, am I, am I, you know, in God's favor, am I doing the right thing or, you know, I'm just, I do the right thing for me and my family. And the golden rule is the golden rule for a reason, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated. Right.
1: Well, (laughs) a thing that I I always remember and I, and I, and I I like to bring this up when talking when having this conversation i remember going to bible study somebody brought up the question about being saved and the the i don't, I don't know what you call them. the person who's basically running the bible study was like well in order to be saved and to be accepted through the gates of heaven you have to accept christ in your heart and so this person was like well, what if what if this man who was a great provider a great father a great husband But he lives in one of those tribes in the Amazon that has no contact with the outside world, never named Jesus Christ, never uh, read the Bible, never came in contact with anything like that. But he lived a good life. Is he going to hell? And that person said, unfortunately, yes. And that's honestly, that's where it was like uh, inception. It planted this little Like in the back of my head where I was like, yo, what? Like, what? Yeah. And I I think about it and I'm like the God that they taught me about and talked to me about and preached to me about wouldn't do that. Yeah. If you live your life as as a good person and it's not that guy's fault that he was never introduced to the Bible or, you know, the, the, the the story of salvation, it wasn't his fault. He's damned to hell for the rest of eternity. And that guy says, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. That's how it is. But that's why it's our job to travel the world and spread the word of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Many people have tried and they shot that fucker with arrows. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) So, so that dude's damned because he doesn't know better. I mean, like literally they're an untouched tribe in the Amazon. Like how, what does he know about Christ? Yeah. And so that always, that always rubbed me the wrong way. And I, and I think about it, I'm like, you know what? If, if there is a God, a jealous God is a pretty sad God. Yeah. You know, like the, the jealousy of a 13 year old. I'm not impressed with that kind of deity. I think if there is a God, he is more worried about the way you treat the rest of his children than whether you go to a place and sit on your knees for an hour every Sunday.
0: Yeah. I see. I think I always heard that that guy in the Amazon, who's never heard Christ gets a pass. That's what I always heard growing up. But yeah.
1: And I mean, that's, that's a good story too, but yeah. then we'll just that contradict, it contradicts the <laughs> exact you accept you Christ know? in your heart. I think well, that guy was never baptized. So <laughs> right. what does that mean? So I there's think there that you can't go to heaven unless you're baptized. So yeah, it's like, for what? sure. What? You
0: know, like the turning point for me was like, always heard like you know if being good doesn't get you into heaven you know like no matter how good you are no matter anything doesn't get you into heaven and like to me personally like if you look at an atheist who gives money to the poor or they give money to whatever those people aren't giving because sky daddy's watching those people are giving for no other reason than they want to Mm -hmm. like they don't believe in heaven they don't believe in hell they're literally just Out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like, to me, it's like these people who are, you know, helping the homeless or helping the poor, doing more with their own mind and money and and heart, just out of heart, not out of any other reason, not out of being scared of going to hell or any of that. Those people are doomed. Like, like, that's what got me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up because there's, and I, I wish I could remember but there was this young preacher; he's about my age, and he kind of brought that similar situation up. And he was just basically the way he explained it, you know, exactly like how you were saying. And he was just like, "That's not, that's not how." Like a person that's who's good out of kindness of heart. There's this joke that he he said, "Well, pastor, what do you think of these atheists?" And the pastor's like, "I love them. I love atheists." It's like, "What do you mean? What do you mean you love atheists? You're supposed to love your flock. You're supposed to love." you know, Christ lovers. Like, why do you love atheists? So, because they make y'all look bad because they, (laughs) what they do good. It's not because they're scared about burning in hell for all eternity. They do good because they are good. Yeah, exactly. And I remember hearing that and I was just like, that's, uh, that's cool. (laughs) Like I was really moved by it. Like, I was like, wow. Like, you know, and it's, uh, I don't know. And I'm not saying, oh, atheists that do good are better than Christians who do good. No, because no absolutely. They're not. scared of, you know, of eternity. But I know, I know this, I know that I spent the last year and a half of being in, in, close your eyes, hating myself because of my doubt. Yeah. I hated myself because I felt like I was letting God down. I was letting my family down. I was letting my grandmother down. I mean, I just, I was hated myself for it, man. And since I kind of came to terms with it, and if, you know, I went through my angry phase and, and everything. And now where I'm at, where I am mentally, I've, I haven't been in this good of a place mentally in a very long time. Absolutely. And I still raise my daughter the best that I can. You know, I try to be kind to everyone, I try to hang out with everyone. I'm still that same dude and i'm still honestly i'm preaching the same values i always preached but it's coming from what i feel is right and not yeah. what a book is telling me you know yeah
0: i think um, i think whatever you believe whether you're atheist whether you're christian buddhist it doesn't matter i think the thing that matters is
1: just be the best of you you can be exactly i think the rest works itself out Absolutely. i think if everyone just does their best to be the best human being that they can possibly be on a regular basis That's all we're doing. We're all true. Nobody, nobody's perfect, man. Nobody's got the answers. You're that pastor that, that preaches over that flock every Sunday. He's no better than us. He doesn't know anything more than us. He's not on a higher, he's not on a higher plateau than we are and can see further into whatever fucking existential eternity existence (laughs) that, you know, exists. He's just like the rest of us. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that makes him stand on that podium is because he has a gut feeling about something yeah, which is absolutely. cool you know whatever go with your gut feeling if it makes you a good person if your gut feeling of following a book makes you hate people then you're in the fucking wrong and you're reading the wrong fucking book yeah absolutely and that's absolutely. just the way i've always seen it
0: that got <laughs> fucking serious <dude>. <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so moving on yeah. i, I the, honestly i've never really dove that deep into it uh, i think I've had a few on here, but, uh, like bands who are Christian bands or whatever. And I just never really brought it up, but I, I kind of wanted to hit on it, you know, just because yeah, of, I'm
1: up for it, man. I, I love talking about it. Honestly, man. Um, I had a lot of followers and supporters that actually, um, you know, followed me from close your eyes and then they would see my posts and be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm feeling that way too. And I, I almost felt like I was doing that work again. It's just kind of on the other side of it. You know, like I was still being that person that would try to help and talk to somebody because I went through what they're going through right now, but it was now losing faith and being lost and trying to find your identity without being labeled as a Christian, you know, or being disappointed that your your parents being disappointed in you because you stopped going to church or what have you, you know what I mean? Like I, I continued doing the same kind of work that I was doing, in the band, just out of the band and from that totally different side of the tracks. Yeah. It's been cool. I don't know. Like, and it made me feel more comfortable in my decision and in my ways of thinking. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's a good gift.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Pretty sure. We'll move on to <laughs> yeah. something else let's here. Talk, um, let's
1: talk about something totally different.
0: <laughs> so you played through. Two vocalists, technically three, but we won't count the the middle one. Um, yeah, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> you had Shane and Sam, and uh-huh. Sam was wildly different. Other than his voice, you know, as was the writing process or touring or what was like the biggest difference out of all that stuff. Like,
1: well, Sam is an amazing musician. He. He definitely was involved with a lot of the music writing and it was awesome, man. Like Sam is a great vocalist, an amazing musician. I used to tell people like, I don't know what the, why this guy's in my band. Like he's way <laughs> too good to be in my band. And it's true because he's a viral internet sensation right now. Anybody that doesn't know this, look up Sam Ryder. He was the vocalist to our third album. He actually is like, blowing up. Like Alicia Keys just retweeted some of his covers. Uh Justin Bieber did. He's now like within the past like six months has achieved over 1 million followers on Instagram and like just easily just we'll post a video of himself farting and he'll get a million, million likes. Um, he's a beautiful dude. He looks like Thor. He has, a, he has a jawline of a superhero, a thick beard, super long blonde hair, covered the in accent. <laughs> Yeah, The British accent. Yeah, like When he joined the band, we definitely saw a climb in like our girl demographic in the front row, you know, (laughs) singing along. We used to always tell people, and and Shane even said, I remember Shane, we released our first music video with Sam. Shane, our our original vocalist, like shared it and was like, yo, close your eyes is fine. Like this dude's fucking great. Like Shane even was like, yo, this dude's voice is phenomenal. And it was so funny because people would like complain. Like people would be like, I don't like his British accent. I don't like his accent. I don't like it. Oh, yeah, this is not the same. And now it's like, joke's on you. He's fucking great. Like he, he's like <laughs> Close your eyes was actually a giant step down for this dude career wise. <laughs> right,
0: I just looked up a picture of him and uh, yeah, that is a that is a pretty dude. He's, I'm not gonna lie,
1: he's <laughs> fucking gorgeous. Right, like he's a he's a blast, man. Like having him on tour, like him and, and Jordan are, are you know the last drummer we had. They were so much fun and oh man, it was it was those were some fun some fun times, man. But he yeah. like in Shane. Shane, you know, we had a falling out with Shane at the end and which was a lot of the reason why he left too. It just, he just wasn't happy with touring. It wasn't for him. And he, he just, it was taking a toll on him personally. yeah. And so taking a toll on his relationships with his family, his girlfriend at the time and his, even his, with his relationships with us, with the band. So it was, it was kind of an ugly, an ugly breakup, you know but when sam came in sam was really excited stoked to be a part of it and sam just kind of has this young boyish outlook on stuff you know like yeah. he never took anything too seriously he'd been doing it for a while he'd been touring with uh, he was in blessed by broken heart before he was in close your eyes and so it, it was just a blast when 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 sam entered the band i kind of like became unfortunately became this like asshole and sam was just like come on, gay. like, you know, like, there's no reason to be pissed. Oh, there was like, you know, maybe the show wasn't great tonight. Fuck it, let's go hang out and drink under a street light in front of a laundry <laughs> mat. Like, that was Sam, you know, like, fuck it, let's just go order a pizza. Let's have some good times tonight. And Sam was nice. just a blast. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned that animosity. I also read a quote. I think you were out of the band, so you may not be able to speak on this too much, but uh, it sounded like band didn't end on good terms either.
1: No, no, not at all. Okay, yeah. so I left a year before the band completely called it quits. Yeah. So my replacement was Alex Witten and he said so he was in the band, well he was with the band since the beginning. He lived with us when we all lived together in the house. Uh, he like did merch for us on our first original tours. He was in the room when, you know, we put together Song for the Broken and stuff like he was a part of close your eyes. So when he took my place it was just a natural, you know, band. transition. Exactly. So when I left, like a couple months later, Sam left. And like later that day, when Sam announced that he was leaving, it was announced that Shane was coming back for a few tours. So I guess at this point, Shane was kind of like, okay, you know, like he, things worked out. It wasn't like, there was, there was a little bit of, you know, animosity, but then, Everything cooled down and we were all cool again. So Shane joined the band, but I was already out at this point. Yeah. And so I guess Shane, Brett and Shane talked, and and Shane was just like, Yeah, I'll do a few runs. Well, let's do a South America run and you know, a few festivals and stuff. Well, shortly after some things kind of started to surface, and we kind of figured out that not everything was on the up and up. So Brett kind of was like our business guy in the band. He was the one that dealt with the record label. He was the one that dealt with like, you know, money situations, getting shit from promoters, guarantees and stuff. And, you know, honestly I look back at it and it's like good for him. Cause we were just too busy having the time of our lives. We weren't worried about any <laughs> of that shit,
0: yeah. you
1: know? And he was, he took that, he took that burden on his shoulders, but unfortunately and he said that, you know, he didn't know, or, and then when he found out, he didn't bring it up because of some personal issues with his divorce at the time, which looking back, it's just like, man, whatever, you know, that's neither here nor there. It was just another excuse. But he apparently found out that shit wasn't getting divided royalty wise, uh, writing credit wise as they were supposed to be. Yeah. And he was getting, like on most of the writing credits, he was getting a majority of writing credit. And even for shit that like, he didn't have the majority of writing credit on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when that surfaced, he was just kind of like cornered and I knew, but I didn't want to bring it up because of my divorce and things are going good for the band and I was going to fix it, but this happened and that, and it's just like, yo dude, what the fuck? Like we were, we're all, In a band together, like, you know, like I'm with you more than I'm with my wife and come to find out that the times when we were struggling, we were struggling to, to, to eat and get a McDouble twice a day. This dude was eating barbecue three times a day in front of us. And the idea of that could have possibly been our money paying for his new signature Gibson guitar and his barbecue that day. and. We were like hurting to pay our phone bills at you know certain points. It really hurt. It really fucked us up. And uh, so he f- he fixed it, but too little, too late. Yeah, you know, close your eyes wasn't exactly selling at this point like we were in 2011. Yeah, and so we were just kind of like, Alex called me. Shane called me. They told me about what happened. They confronted him. Called me. Brett tried calling me. I talked to him for a little bit, and I just told him, you know, I was just like. Like everyone else, I was just like, I'm done, man. I am i don't want anything to do with you, dude. And there was a lot more to it behind that, too. Uh, You know, I don't want to talk too much shit. But okay. I mean, basically, like every tour, we were having to defend Brett with other bands. Brett was just kind of like a, a guy that didn't get when he was being an asshole. And so, like, there was a time when straight from the path, the guitarist, Tom, wanted to fight Brett. And, like, the only reason he didn't was because of the rest of us. That was the only reason he didn't fight Brett. Uh, and that was kind of like a normal occurrence man like there are bands that we're friends with now and that like are comfortable talking to us about it now because you know they know what happened And they're like yeah fuck like brett's always been a dick and i was like yeah we've we've always known that but we've always seen him as our dick like yeah yeah." and we always we literally like close your eyes every tour almost just about like we just it was just apologizing for brett and then being cool (laughs) with everyone the rest of the time And this is how it was, you know, he was just kind of like, uh, he was just, he just didn't really get some social cues and shit. And it was, it's unfortunate, but you know, uh, he was our friend, he was our dick. Like I said, Yeah. but you know, looking back at it now, I'm just kind of like, no, man, this sucks. You know, it sucks how it turned out. It sucks. It sucks. It's what it is. It, It, what happened and how it, how it ended. And it was, you know, it, it just, it went out as quickly as the flame burned out as quickly as it, you know, lit. Yeah but it's what it is. I had good memories. I like the rest of us
0: solid 10 years, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like the rest of us are still, you know, we're brothers. We all talk on a regular basis. And uh, once a year we do this thing called gout fest where um, we basically just get together and party and grill and try to get gout. We just eat as much steak and greasy food as possible and drink and just do what we used to do. Just party and hang out except no load in and no interviews Mm -hmm. and no, you know, anything like that no press you know shit so it's just just doing like what we did before all the the hoo-ha shit you know yeah
0: yeah absolutely a good time yes yeah, so do you still personally do you still make music or are you kind of
1: no uh i have my guitar i'm literally looking at my guitar right now um <laughs> no i'll fuck around here a little bit it's basically me getting really excited that i just learned another new typo negative song every week or something but that's about it, man. It's nothing like I have a couple of riffs that I wrote for our third record or something that we didn't use that I still play once in a while that I kind of remember. But yeah, I mean, I'm not writing yeah. anything. I'm not I'm not like trying to perform or, uh, you know, book anything, even you know, pre-pandemic. I was just focusing on being a father, focusing on being a husband and making up all that time that I missed. Yeah that's what it is like touring, man. You know, people, people say, they used to tell me like, Oh, I would give my left not to do what you do. I saw you on MTV. I saw you on this video game. I saw you on, on Adult Swim, I you know, this and that. And I'm like, I would give my left not to do what you do, man. Like I, I live in a tour van or, you know, towards the end of tour bus, like the most privacy I have is a, a fucking coffin with a curtain. Yeah. You know, you get to see a girlfriend every night. You get to see your parents every night. You get to pet your dog every day you know, you get to see your girlfriend on her anniversary and y'all's anniversary and her birthday. I like for nine years straight, I missed my or my wife's birthday and our anniversary for nine years straight. And, um, people don't understand that. And that's a lot of the reason why I started my podcast is like to show what's behind the stage lights, like what it was really like. And, people see this, like, you know, in front of the stage lights, it's all great. You know, we're jumping around, having a good time, singing, screaming, putting the mic in the crowd and, you know, cool, you know, awesome. But behind the stage lights, I was bummed out that I missed my mom's birthday because I don't know how many more birthdays she has, you know, or I I was bummed out that I, I missed my wife's birthday because I've missed it for nine years straight. And it was just, you know, things like that, that, a lot of people don't understand or don't realize that you give up a lot to live that life. Yeah. You know, nothing is just is is just perfect. So, but you know, like I've just focused on being a father, focused on my career, being being a husband. And I did that for a long time. So now that my daughter is five, she's so gonna be six actually next month. I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't have to hold her, you know, like a, <laughs> you know, all the time anymore. I actually have maybe some free time. I don't want to play any more gigs. Like I don't want to tour anymore. So I'm just going to buy a microphone and get drunk and talk with my friends. (laughs) And so that's where uh, the podcast kind of came in, you know, into play. And it's just the thing to keep me occupied and uh, another hobby for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. uh, It's it's cool, man. It's been a blast. And and I think I'm seven episodes in now and it's just been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it's been good.
0: I was, man, like I told you before, I, I was anxious as fuck when this whole thing started, man. And I had to get something to get my mind off of it. So I bought a microphone and uh, just started going. I knew nothing about this. So like my first five or six episodes are shit. I didn't know how to like <laughs> edit. I didn't know how to make the sound quality. I didn't know how to do any of that. I have 33 episodes in right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've kind of figured everything out. I'm always learning yeah, still, absolutely. but you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I taught myself for this, for my series, my, my podcast, I taught myself how to edit. I didn't know anything about, you know, audio engineering. I didn't know anything about graphic design, Yeah. but I've taught, I taught myself, I don't know if you've seen any like the videos or the, you know, pictures I've made for yeah. the podcasts, all my episodes, it's all me. It's all, I started yeah. blast studio as my studio and this, <laughs> this is blast studio behind me. And, um, <laughs> this is where I just do everything. And so I, you know, like you, man, like I just taught myself how to do it and it's not, you know, it's not Joe Rogan by any means, but I'm having a blast doing it. And I'm not doing this for Joe Rogan numbers. I'm doing this because it's therapeutic as fuck, you know? And so I enjoy, you know, not only talking to my friends, but meeting new people and talking with them like tonight, man, you know, like you and I just start just, you know, uh, hooked up and started talking a couple days ago and here we are having this conversation and that's what it's all about, man. And Absolutely, I, I yeah. enjoy <laughs> it. And I love it, dude. It's, it's sick. Yeah. I'm having a good time. But that's not the wine talking. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the, the playlist, man, like, like, like I found so many good music. So like I said, I have 33 playlists in here and there's yeah. different, there's just a range, like a variety of music on all of them, you know? And I, mm. I, I enjoy music. I enjoy rap. I enjoy rock. I, I The only thing I really don't like is country.
1: Yeah, but, I'm kind of yeah. some, There's some artists that kind of get the pass, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think George Strait is one of them, simply because of that movie, Pure Country. I <laughs> love that movie. But yeah, there aren't many country artists that get that pass. From yeah,
0: that. and and you know, I just I found so many good music, you know, so much good music, so many good bands, and I I do like to support like unsigned uh, bands and things of that nature. I've I've got a lot of those on there that are that I enjoy listening to. So just cool oh, yeah, it's just like music, dude. Honestly, that's it. But so I only have a couple more questions left here. Um, sure, man. So, what are some of the favorite countries you've toured?
1: Oh man, oh gosh! I well, I can say countries. I, I really enjoyed Brazil. I really enjoyed Argentina, and I really enjoyed uh, Austria. Oh yeah. <laughs> but as a whole, if I if This is talking continent, Europe, man. God, I I loved I loved going to Europe, man. And we, it was just so much fun. And we met some of our best friends and bands over there. Uh, bands like, uh, uh, here lies a warning and show your teeth. Like those dudes, we did a tour with them in Europe, our first European run. And we instantly became brothers with all of those guys. It was just instant, instant, like camaraderie, just, just fucking lifelong friendships. Like we all, I haven't seen those. I literally have not seen those guys uh, because, you know, someone lived in Scotland and shit in Austria. I've seen them since like 2014, 2013, but we still message each other just dog shit, you know, just like, (laughs) well, fuck you, dude, you know, just like, you know, just talking shit to each other. And it's just, it, it was just so, it was so much fun, you know, and we had some really great shows. We had some really shitty shows, but even the shitty shows because of those guys that we were on the road with, It was just, it was a blast. You know, we could play in front of, you know, a small crowd of a hundred kids or something or 200 kids. And I would still leave the show happy because (laughs) we were just in great company. And those, those 200 kids that did show up were fucking stoked. And I was down to hang out. And you know, have really good warm German beer with them or something, you know. And it oh, was, yeah, just, that's right. They drink their beer just, warm,
0: huh?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, like <laughs> on the writer, and they would give us like a crate of beer, but it was warm. And we're like, what the hell is this, man? Yeah. This better, right? Like, what the hell? We like our Lone Star and we like it cold, goddammit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but it was, it, you know, it was, it was so, it was so much fun, man. But, and, and like I said, in, in South America, like I said, in Brazil and in Argentina, man, those. Those scenes gave it up for us, man. It kind of became this inside joke and in close your eyes before we actually went to South America for the first time we would joke around with each other and say, come to Brazil. Cause we had literally thousands of people. Every time we would post something on social media, they would comment, come to Brazil, come to Brazil. And it was just like, it became this inside joke within the band. We're like, yo, we got to go to Brazil. We got to come to Brazil, dude. We got to come to Brazil. And when we finally got there, they did not disappoint. Yeah. Those, those, those uh, Brazilians knew what was up and they gave it up hard for us. And I'll always remember Brazil as one of my favorite, favorite countries.
0: That's awesome. What was some of the favorite bands you toured with?
1: Oh, dude. Uh, shit. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. That's just a hard question. Um, <laughs> I guess. Um, oh man, that's tough. I like, well, like what I just said with the European run, show your teeth. Uh, Here lies a the warning. They're, they're up there uh, for me. Like, uh, I love those dudes. Shout out to them. Uh, a day to remember awesome dudes they kind of took us under their wings and they the first tour bus I ever like got to hang out on and sleep on and party on was their tour bus so you know they they exposed me to a lot of fun stuff and they're awesome touring with uh terror man i I was such a big fan of terror
0: terror yeah. is like one of the most popular bands that you've never heard of right they're huge yeah and,
1: they're massive. Like, yeah yeah that and i love that band so much like like the first time i got a terror shirt in high school i was like very proud of it like i was like hey guys check out my shirt finally got a terror shirt you know like i was so pumped about it and then i to go on tour with them and like become friends with them and they were just so cool they were so down to earth it was a good time
0: um this one is actually just one of them that i like to ask uh I, I find it interesting. Do you use uh, like Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. You use Spotify? Uh, so on your computer, if you go to your, open your Spotify app, you can go to Recently Played and give me the last three songs that you
1: listen to. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, this is going to be embarrassing as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, Local God by Everclear. All right. Can't fool me. By Bad Rabbits.
0: Oh, Bad Rabbits is so good,
1: man. I know. They're fucking sick, dude. I love that band so much. And? Broken English by Rise Against. Oh,
0: nice. I think that one's already on there.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I jam that song a lot. I love that song.
0: Awesome. And what is um, your favorite song that you've written with Close Your Eyes?
1: Oh, man. Well, that's okay. So... I have, a, I have a song. I have a favorite song that I helped write. And then I have a favorite song that I didn't write a lot so much, but I have my vocals. So I'll give you those two. My favorite song that I helped write was probably keep the lights on. Okay. I really dug that outro. It, I, I definitely was listening to a lot of rise against when, when, when we were uh, writing that song. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite song from us, early Close Your Eyes would probably have to be um, Something Needs to Change. And I think I did vocals. Yeah, I did vocals on that record on We Will Overcome. I did the heavy yells, the, the screaming I did on We Will Overcome. And I didn't on Empty Hands and Heavy Hearts, our second record. Yeah. Because I was busy at home getting married. So, nice. yeah, we, I booked the wedding and everything, and we were all good to go. And then, uh, the label decided to push ahead our recording time. And I was yeah. like, well, awesome, cause I can't do it. I'm getting married. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, That's crazy. And they, yeah. And at that time, it was just kind of like, oh, we got to do it. You know, we're in the full time band. Let's do it. So, unfortunately, the only m- member of my guys, of close your eyes that came to my wedding was Andrew. And not, I say that, unfortunately, no, I love that Andrew was there, but that was it. Shane didn't come to the wedding. Brad didn't come to the wedding. With didn't come to the wedding. Tim didn't come to the wedding because they all had to record uh, our second album while Damn. I was at home getting married. Yeah. That and sucks. at the time I was all for it too. I was like, no, oh, we got to do this, man. We got to do it. You guys got to, you guys go on. I'll stay here and keep this shit quiet. <laughs> yeah, ready to do yeah. For it's the nice. horde.
0: Well, man, that's kind of all I got for you tonight. I uh, have—I wrote down some of the bands that you didn't send me, and I'll send you that list back. And you can just send me some songs from those. Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me, dude. This has been fun. I really enjoyed it, and uh, uh, I'll try to get this thing out next week.
1: Cool, cool. Believe it or not, you are uh, my—you pop my podcast cherry, dude. Oh yeah, you've never been on yeah. before? Oh, I've never shit, been on a podcast. I've done an honor. <laughs> thousands of interviews. I've done thousands of interviews and you know, magazines and webazines and whatever. But as, as far as actual podcasts go, this is my first podcast nice, I've ever been dude, that's on.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm glad I could do that, man.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And you were really gentle and I, I appreciate that and taking your time with me and and uh not giving not giving it to me too rough so oh no man (laughs) you have a nice night man you too man it was a good talk man i appreciate you having me on
0: no problem bye
1: later